Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats and welcome to 2022, which feels very much like 2021. We're going to do something a little bit different for our intro Uh, this year. You all know the bit about how we've lived in 13 countries, we've given birth in six of those, that we've changed careers about five times, that all those things about expat life and that I'm currently in Australia with my children while my husband's in Qatar and Nikki's in Copenhagen with her family, which is where we find her today. Hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you? Kirsty Rice, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So, Nikki, this is what we're going to do. We kind of feel a little bit like we're spinning in circles. But are we moving forward, inverted commas, as the politicians would like to tell us? And to track the process, we're going to do a little update from our destinations, so which are on opposite sides of the world at the moment. I'm in Australia, as I've said, Nikki, you're in Denmark. Nikki, tell me, would you send your kid to a classroom this week? A hundred percent. Yes, Kirsty Rice, I will and I would and I will and I have been and that is as Denmark has recorded its highest ever level of cases yesterday. (laughs) But you're COVID free. (laughs) So far. We're only 24 to 36 hours ever away from a positive COVID test. Kirsty, would you send your kid to the classroom this week? I wouldn't because he's not allowed to go. So school starts in Australia tomorrow. And what we are doing is I think year sevens and eights are going to school along with year twelves and year nines, year tens, year elevens are all doing long distance learning. I have the added thing that when I send my child to school, I'm actually sending him to the boarding house. So the boarding house is going through all sorts of grief because they are under the same jurisdiction as an aged care home. And we all know how much fun it's been for aged care homes over the last few years with a stream of just constant lockdowns and no one being able to get inside, which is what the boarding house, um, I don't want to say it's going to be lockdowns, but I won't be allowed inside anytime soon. So there's a lot of drop-offs in driveways and people getting medic cars to, you know, carry their own stuff in. You know, there's no teary mums making beds and, you know, <laughs> you know, proud dad saying, well, when I was a red, this is what I did. It's all out the window. So, no, my son will be doing... Um, school from home online school for the next couple of weeks and then hopefully but it is still a hopefully we're not sure going to the boarding house in a couple of weeks Kirsty, would you go to the hairdressers without a mask um well this is this is interesting so i would wear my mask into the hairdresser my hairdresser would have on an N95 mask and then a shield over the top. And the reason she does that is to keep her business open because that's the only thing that stops her from being a close contact with someone if she has those two things on. She would make me a cup of coffee and I would immediately take my mask off and start drinking it. So I'd like to say yes, I would go with a mask, but the truth is that mask would come on and off as I talked and drank my coffee and did whatever. What about you? I'm interested in how this works with you because, Nikki, our underlying smirk with all of this is that Denmark is now COVID-free again and <laughs> with your ice cases ever. So, but you are becoming a no-COVID zone as of Monday. So, 
Will you be going to the hairdressers without a mask? Well, I went to the hairdressers this week and I had to show my COVID pass and that's the last week we won't have to show COVID passes from next week to show that we are recovered, vaccinated or tested. Uh, And I did not have to wear a mask. My hairdresser said, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. And I said, it's okay. I'll keep mine on. Thank you. (laughs) Mind you, having said that, the hairdresser I go to is like a a sole trader and she and, and one other hairdresser share a an office space a room and so there's only ever four people in the room at any given time right however it's still it is what it is uh nikki if you were to get covid this week which variant would you be most likely to catch well denmark's very hot on omicron b at the moment which mm-hmm. is the next variation of uh omicron and it's even faster spreading than the original mm-hmm. omicron <laughs> What about you, Kirsty? What's what's all the rage in Australia this week? Oh, no, we're very chuggy. We're very basic bitch here. We're getting just the original Omicron. But really, who would know? Because nobody's going to tell you unless you really, really want to know and you end up very ill. But we're pretty sure that we're just going to get your basic Omicron and, until someone's kind enough to bring Omicron B with them. <laughs> to Australia. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Kirsty, how many people can go to a party at your place this week? Ten, Nikki. Ten people can come to a party. Um, we still don't have live music in in pubs and clubs yet. You can go outside to a music festival, uh, otherwise known as the Super Spreader event, or you can um, have a small party at your house of ten people. Now, Nikki, I live a wild exciting kind of life as you know so last night I found myself at a hot 70th birthday party down the street (laughs) where the host's main fear was that someone would walk past and do a head count and realize she had 12 not 10 and what we were all Uh, to do okay yes if if someone drove past and how does that count with uh like children so in in some countries children under 12 don't count yeah, in in the head count in the twelve in the ten people. You know, I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm not sure on that. I think I think we are still counting the children. What about you? What What are the rules in Denmark, or are there no rules as of Monday, or as of Tuesday, which is the first of February? They're not. But there's there's no limit to how many people can gather outdoors. There's a fifteen hundred person indoor limit separated in three sections right. for cinemas, etc. But I, I I don't know about in your own home. I guess it's how much you feel comfortable with. I can't find anything on the website in regards to regulations there because we haven't been gathering with anyone in our own home, partly because we're trying to be COVID safe and partly because we don't know that many people here yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dickie, I can't wait to talk next week um, to find out what it's like because, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast all the time knows that when you arrived in Copenhagen, it was it was a, it was a medical miracle that, you know, suddenly <laughs> there were buffets and people kissing and lots of events. And hugging, yeah. Hugging. <laughs> and I'm just waiting to see, it, will it be like that this time now when they just drop it all? Um, and, you know, and I, I understand why Denmark's doing what they're doing. Having been at a party full of 70-year-old people, um, they are surprisingly 
uh, I don't know if it's their political persuasion or, or they're just daredevils, but they're very, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, just it's, let it go. You know, this is ridiculous. They're sick of it. They want, let's just all take our masks off with gay abandon and wander together and see what happens. Um, so it's, it's fasc- it is interesting, isn't it, to sort of see. And I wonder what your people will be like around you this time. It's really interesting because next week at school on Thursday and Friday they're doing the school musical, a, pre- a presentation of Pippin, and they'll be having the auditorium uh, possibly full to have those production performances. And because there, there, there will be officially be the end of COVID and there's no restrictions that can be enforced, but the school asks, please can you um, consider wearing a mask and also please consider being tested before you come. So... But, but that's all they can do. They yes. can't ask you to show anything or they can't ask you to do that 100%. So it's a very interesting times ahead, interesting times ahead. Nikki, we have got a fantastic episode today. Uh, something we talked about last year, we got the idea of the expat love stories when you mentioned um you gave it as one of your picks, one of your favourite things, and it was a story of your friend. That's right. So CNN do a have a section on their website where they do love stories or connections, and this was an international love story one, and they were interviewed by a reporter and their story uh, was featured on the CNN website, and then it was repurposed across many, many websites around the world in many, many languages. And if you Google it now, it comes up a lot. They're also, after the great success of the story and how viral it went, uh, they were contacted by some Hallmark uh, movie producers who produce movies for Netflix, and uh, they're having an investigation into production of a movie about their love story. And how did CNN find them in the first place? Well, interesting you should say this. And we talked last year also about the death of expat blogs. I think that my friend had a blog and she had part of her story um, on the blog and they had been looking for stories and they must have found it that way. So they approached her about it. So, Nikki, I put a call out to um, the group. And when I say the group, I mean our Two Fat Expats Facebook group and asked about people's different love stories and said I was sort of busting to hear them because I love this stuff I mean if there's anything that is me it's these sort of stories I could listen to over and over and over again so Nikki we'll start with love at first sight with a tall blonde man on the dance floor in Guatemala um I was working in Guatemala in uh, Guatemala City in Central America Uh, And I'd been there for two years uh, when I was out in a nightclub with some embassy friends. um, When one of my friends brought over this really tall, blonde, good-looking guy. And in Guatemala, to see someone that tall and blonde was quite something. So um, anyway, we got chatting and I found that he was in Guatemala for eight days and he'd be travelling around and he was heading to Copan for a few days. Um, But he asked me if... He could have my phone number and um, he'd like to call me when he got back. So I gave him my number thinking that would be it. I'd never hear from him ever again. But um, he did call me and he stayed for nearly a month. And he said he wouldn't leave until I agreed to meet him in Ecuador in two months. I said, okay, let's let's work on this. And I had a word with my um, boss 
and um, handed in my notice. And um, I flew out to Ecuador on Christmas Eve, 1996. Unfortunately, he was there waiting for me like an excited child. Um, thank goodness, because I had no plan B if he wasn't there. Anyway, he asked me to marry him, and I said yes. We travelled for another two months together. Um, and then he had a secondment in Cape Town for 18, 18 months. So we um, flew back to England and had a whirlwind running around, uh, meeting each other's families and friends. And then we both flew out to Cape Town. Our 18 months turned into 12 amazing years. We got married and had two beautiful daughters and loved our life there. And this coming April, we'll be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. It's a huge leap of faith for both of us, but it's been an amazing adventure. And I wouldn't change a single thing. It's been fantastic. One of my favourite things about this story, because I really love this story, I just thought it was beautiful, and you could hear that they were very much in love by how she still spoke about him. But I completely identified with the going to visit the parents and meet the parents and meet the friends when you have that sort of romance when you've met overseas and then you decide to get married but I also just loved how much a split second on a dance floor can sort of change your entire life yep 25th wedding anniversary and wouldn't change a single thing loved it okay so Nikki Travelling around the world to find the boy next door. I've This is a common expat tale um, and we've got one for you today. We actually met in South Korea. We were both randomly assigned to a small town outside of Daegu, South Korea. And when we met, I knew he was Canadian and that I was American. So we kind of thought, oh, like we come from two different countries. But when we were talking, everything just was really comfortable and really easy. And we seemed to agree and slide right into our style of just living. So um, eventually we realized that we'd actually come from a very similar part of the world where he was just north of the border and I was from just south of the border so we were actually about five hours driving apart when we grew up. Uh, we were both in our 30s and we had both been living abroad for about five years in various parts of Asia traveling and teaching and when we started dating we kind of knew very quickly almost right away that we were going to get married. When we started hanging out, it was just like going home. Our family has kind of a joke that we had to both move all the way across the other side of the world to Asia in order to meet each other, find each other. Both moved very, very far away, but ended up in the same place at the same time. And I guess maybe it was fate. <laughs> so again, it's the shared cultural background that sort of can bring them first together. And then they find out they've got more in common than they think being from the North American countries. So yes, you're right. Common expat tale, Kirsty. Uh, and you know, Nikki, I think we find this in friendships all the time. It's that whole yes. thing. If someone can just identify with one small thing of yours from home, there's that instant lock on of, oh, good, I'll have you. Particularly if you're somewhere that's really exotic to you and out of your comfort zone, I think that's how so many friendships can be born, isn't it? Yep, 100%. 
Kirsty, if you're Australian, you'd know all about full moon parties in Thailand. (laughs) I'm so uncool, though, because I haven't been to one. When I went to Thailand, I went with a baby in a stroller. (laughs) All right, but luckily someone else has been to one for you and has a story about finding a husband there. So my love story started in 2012 when I met my Scottish husband travelling in Thailand. We met at a full moon party in Copenhagen, which is not the most romantic setting, although we didn't exchange numbers or contact details at all. And then a couple of days later, we happened to be in Bangkok. And by that stage, my best friend had got his best friend's number. Um, So we organised to meet up and caught up there. Although Chris was leaving the next morning to head back to England and I was heading back to Australia after a couple more weeks of holidaying with my best friend. Chris and I then kept in contact and he had just been commissioned to go to Sandhurst to join the British Army. So in that time, he suggested that maybe he should come out to Australia and do the kind of backpacking thing in some sort of ways. And of course, I thought great idea, but uh, holiday romance, this isn't going to really go anywhere. So by the time Chris had arrived in Australia and I actually had another boyfriend, um, which entailed some awkward email conversations with Chris to let him know that although, of course, come to Australia, it's amazing, he probably wouldn't be coming to Australia to have a girlfriend. Um, So Chris came out to Melbourne And he ended up moving in with one of my friends, caught up with him quite a bit. He used to hang out with me and my boyfriend at the time and my best friend. Um, We spent a lot of time together, but just as friends. So Chris and I kept in touch and just, you know, just messages, nothing romantic at all. Just really good friends. Just, I guess, obviously had some sort of connection. My best friend said to me, I mean, you've been talking to this guy now, you know, for 18 months. What's going on with it? So I kind of posed the question to Chris and was like, right, what are we doing? Why are we still chatting? You know, I need to sort of settle down. I'm getting a little bit older. Uh, and he suggested that potentially we meet. So then we decided to meet in Vietnam. We, I flew in from Australia. He flew in from the UK. And we had a 10-day, effectively, I guess, a 10-day first date, which could have been disastrous or it could have been amazing. So obviously it was, it was amazing. We had a lot of discussions, a lot of frank and open discussions about where this relationship could potentially go because that was going to mean that one of us was going to have to change countries. We decided to that I would move to Scotland. So we then got married in Thailand on the same day we met. Yeah, very random. I never thought I would be going to Thailand and going to a full moon party and finding a husband. This is, this is so unique in... I loved it because I love the drama of when he decided to come back and see her, she'd met someone else. And the fact that they then all hung out together, her new someone and her old someone. <laughs> um, and then it, it kind of sounded like her, her girlfriend could see it, like was saying, look, what are you doing? You know, you you've got to work this out with this guy because there's there's definitely something but but the logistics and the planning like the the going on that that holiday together and having such an honest logistical conversation about okay we're doing this how are we going to do it yeah the 10 day first date yeah, where they the 10 day where first they date. where they do all the things that you do on a first date that goes for so many days 
And then they're just getting used to sort of, you know, sharing a bathroom maybe in a, in a little hotel. And then they're talking about moving countries together. So, yeah, yeah it's a yeah. lot. It, it, yeah, it's a lot. So we've had, we've had the tall blonde uh, on the dance floor in Guatemala. How about the rural Chinese cafe? Hi there. So I'm Australian and my now husband is Nigerian-American. We met while we were living and working in a rural part of China. He was in a cafe that I walked into. We did long distance, lived all over the world, ended up settling in Boston where we were married and have been married for six years now. We just moved to Seattle and have just had our first baby. Perfect. What a great story finishing with just had their first baby. Love that. Yes. And this may be my favourite one, this next one, just for the this the accent in this story. Um, what a beautiful voice. But what a fantastic story. Anyway, I won't ruin it. We'll play it now. Where to begin? I moved from Lebanon to Kuwait for work, where I lived a total of seven years. On my last six months, I met my hubby, who's from Wales. He had moved from London to Kuwait for a tax tax-free job, actually, just for a year to be able to pay for his round-the-world yacht race uh, that he signed up for. It's the Clipper race. Uh, needless to say, we fell in love on my last three months of living in Kuwait, whilst we were on a colleague's trip for a long, fun weekend in Lebanon. After that, I was transferred to Dubai, and I thought it would be all over between us. Until he had to leave for his sailing adventure, he actually jumped on a plane every single weekend to come and see me in Dubai. During the race... I met him in different places around the world and whenever he was on land, of course. On the day the race finished, he collected this trophy as his boat actually won the race and he got down on one knee and proposed to me on the boat. We had a big fat Lebanese wedding and moved to Switzerland where we had our first child. Since then, we've lived in Singapore and Melbourne where we had our second. Um, now we're on the move again. The Gold Coast is next in February 2022. And there's some big commitments there that have been made, some very big shows of uh, devotion to romance. On the plane um, nothing- every weekend to Dubai. Every weekend he's on the plane. Yeah, that was, that was very good. And a bit, who doesn't love a big fat Lebanese wedding? Uh, Nikki, I think this one's your favourite one, isn't it? It is my favourite one. I just love the, the thought of putting your family together this way. I want to share with you my story of um, expat love. It's a story of how I put my family together backwards. Um, so I came to Singapore 14 years ago. Uh, I'm British and I came by myself with a sort of a suitcase for an amazing job. Um, really excited to be here. Uh, and I met as part of my sort of wider business circle, um, a guy who is now my husband, but at the time was just kind of just a person that I knew. And um a couple, flash forward a couple of years, 2011, and I decided I wanted to become a mum and I wanted to adopt. Um, I was still single at that point. And so this chap gave me, um, a con- put me in contact with somebody he knew who was a single adoptive mum. So she ended up connecting me with an agency and it was through that agency that I was then put in touch with my daughter who was eight days old at the time. So I met up with this guy 
um, just to sort of say thank you and to to tell him what had happened. It was all a bit of a surprise, really. Previously, he'd been married and he had kids, and so I'd never really thought about him at all in any other way than just this guy in my network. Um, but when we met, we hadn't spoken for a long time, and he shared with me that his his marriage had previously split up. Um, and it was weird, like at the time, I was like, oh, I've never thought about you like this, but there was this weird spark I uh, didn't think anything of it because obviously I'd just become a mum and he'd going through a massive separation. So we thought nothing of it. But he actually invited me out a few weeks later and one thing led to another um, and we ended up getting together when Ella was very small, a few weeks old. Um, so we've, we've now been together for 10 years. Um, we've been married for only four of them. So I've, I started my family with with no one it was just me then my daughter came along then I met my husband properly we got together he has three children so I have three stepkids now so about a year or so later they came into our lives they're amazing kids they have a great relationship with my daughter um, and then in 2015 we got married so we put this that's how I put my family together backwards and now we're all here together in Singapore. I love my family very much. Um, I just managed to create it in a slightly strange way uh, and would never have done that if my husband, who is Scottish, and myself, who is English, hadn't ended up on this little tiny island of Singapore. Uh, Singaporean, Scottish, English, blended family. Okay, and then backing up, I think this might even be your second favourite one because we've talked about this one as, as well the Italian love story and it's love for those the second time round and I just loved it. Hi, my name is Loretta. I'm 53 years old. I am Italian and I now live in Italy. When I was 19 years old, I lived in England as an au pair to learn English. And after that, I married an American military and lived all over the US, Japan, and Italy for the 24 years I was married. In 2018, I was living in Alaska when my marriage ended. Right before that happened, I hosted a um, daughter of a friend of my family. Um, She was an Italian girl, and she had been in Texas as an exchange student. And because my own son had been an exchange student in Argentina for a year, we decided as a family that uh, we wanted to have her come and visit us in Alaska for a week. And she did. Um, the funny thing is she was a bit of a pill because she was 18. And I reached out to her dad, who I'd known my whole life, to just, you know, say some things about his daughter's stay. And he was very gracious and kind. A few months later, I reached out to him and asked him how the reentry had gone for his daughter. And we started talking. We found ourselves in very similar situations. The parent that stayed home with the teenagers, as our ex-spouses found new partners and very quickly left not only the marriage, but the parenting as well. And so we kept in touch and um, found, I guess, comfort in each other. We had a a similar situation. He had been um, separated for about a year. And so he was a little bit ahead in the process than I was. And I found it comforting and to find that you know, things get better. 
About six months later, we decided to meet, and it was kind of funny because I was the initiator, uh, so to speak, which is very, very out of character for me. I um, I had a medical procedure, and um, I found out that I had some cancer cells that had been removed, and it forced me to really take stock in my life and what I wanted to do. And so out of the blue, I said, I really want us to meet someplace that is between Italy and Alaska. And this is very out of character for me, but I just feel like I need to live my life. So he flew from Italy. And we always joke that we fell in love with each other at the airport in San Francisco. (laughs) So now it's uh, three years later. We have talked every single day since that first time that I reached out to him. We've gone, unfortunately, a year and eight months without seeing each other because of COVID, but we've managed to carve out a couple of visits this year alone. And um, I have recently moved to Italy and made our distance a little bit less. So we're right around 667 miles now instead than 10, actually kilometers instead than 10,000 kilometers as we were before. But um, this is just a gift to have found this person that has lived his, most of his life about a mile from my parental home. Okay, Kirsty, uh, who doesn't love picking up someone outside a pub? <laughs> So I'm originally from New Zealand and my husband's from the UK, although he's a third culture kid. So he's got a British passport, but has lived everywhere. So anyway, he uh, moved to Wellington, New Zealand, and I met him. He was standing outside a pub, which was closed, and I was just walking past on my way to meet some girlfriends. And we were going out for dinner, and I saw this guy standing by himself, and I thought, oh, he looks cute. And so I said, hey, you're right there. And so we got to chatting, and then so I messaged my girlfriends and said, hey, met a man, sorry, can't meet you for dinner. And I went out for dinner with him instead, and then we went to the movies and swapped numbers, met met the next morning, and uh, went for a walk together and just kept talking and talking and talking. So, yeah, we've now been married 15 years, two kids um, and all the rest of it. So when we met, uh, he'd just moved to Wellington to settle down and not move again. And I kind of said, well, actually, do you know what? I've never really lived overseas, so why don't we give that a try? So we spent two years in Adelaide, four years in Sydney, four years in Singapore, and we're now currently moving between the UK, Saudi and France. You know, COVID makes it interesting. So yeah, life is good. Meet a man in a strange place and off you go. Okay, that's that's just such an Australian New Zealand thing to do. You know, I was walking past a pub, I saw a very nice man, we started to chat. I text my friend, sorry, I'm not coming, I've met a very nice man. Uh, I loved it. it was, I, I love the short, sharp and shininess of it as well. This is how it happened, this is what went down. Watch out, this too could happen to you. Okay, <laughs> and the last one, Nikki, is love lost and found and reconnecting with your first love. Good morning from a very cold Helsinki. It's minus 14 degrees here this morning. The first time I left home, 17, and I went for an exchange year in Las Vegas, Nevada, United States. And that's where I met my current husband. We dated for about two and a half years. 
but then parted ways and had different relationships. And I reconnected with my first love. And I suppose the rest is history. We now have two children together. Our daughter is soon 24 and our son is 16. Um, so we met in October 1987. So first we <laughs> moved to Malaysia and we lived in a small town called Lumut first and then in KL about four and a half years. And then we came home back to Helsinki, or actually first to Turku, which is my husband's hometown, and then to Helsinki for about two years. And then I landed a job in an international school in Gdansk in Poland. And as my husband only needed an airport for his work, we moved to Poland. But then the oil prices crashed and he lost his job and we ended up in Hamburg. And my husband and my son are still living in Hamburg and I'm dividing my time between Helsinki and Hamburg because I wanted to go back to teaching the way I love teaching. So this year in September, I packed a suitcase and found a flat in Helsinki and started to work here and it was not because I wanted to get away from my husband but because I wanted to do something for myself. We now live in three countries. Our daughter studies medicine in Riga, Latvia. My son and my husband are in Hamburg and I am in Helsinki and about not quite half the time, maybe one third of the time I am still in Hamburg with the boys. Yes, meeting in another country and then coming back together and then with someone who's saying nationality and traveling the world, fantastic. What a, what a great story. Yes. Um, so, Nikki, we also have one story that we haven't added in because we're, we're going to make it a little bit more special. So we had one story of love gone wrong. So we had one that was the expat love story that didn't have a happy ending. Um and it's a great story and maybe one that should be told to everyone at the beginning of their journey when they're making commitments and <laughs> saying they're going <laughs> to do things. Anyway, we're going to save that one and we might do an episode about when expat love doesn't wind up how you think it's going to wind up. So this is a bit of a call out, I guess, to those of you that have listened to this and gone, well, that's all great but have I got a story for you? <laughs> and it's you, not Let me good. tell you about three countries I lived in. <laughs> yes. So we're going to save, um, it, it, it's our friend Rosie who's in the group. So hello, Rosie, if you're listening, please don't think that we've missed your story because we're only playing happy stories. So if anyone else has got a story before we share Rosie's with you about expat love gone wrong, please, please, please just shoot us a message. You can hop into our Facebook group and um, just shoot me a DM or you can go onto our website to fatexpats.com and leave us a message. Uh, either one will work and then we'll bring those out to you in the next couple of weeks. Okay, Nikki, so 2022, back to our favourite things. Um, usually we also talk about um, our uh, bold statements of the week or our bold statements of the month. Uh, Nikki, I think one of my bold statements 
at the end of last year that I wasn't going to do any more challenges uh, or any of those sorts of things. <laughs> and then dutifully my friend Carol sent me a note and said, hey, do you want to do a walking challenge? And I was like, sure. Straight away, didn't even hesitate, didn't even say, no, I'm not doing that anymore, just straight into it, yep. Anyway, so we now have a 20 suitcases, which is, um, so my blog was four kids, 20 suitcases and the Beagle. It's now just 20 suitcases. Um, and we've got a little walking group over there. And so if anyone's interested, please, I think there's about 280 of us there now. And the rules are you've got to walk six days a week. I'm very happy to report, Nikki, where it is today's date is January 30. I've done 28 walks, which I'm very Goodness happy Goodness me, about. that's fantastic. I've done maybe 22 or something, but I haven't. But I think you'll find on Strava that I don't have them all there because I walk out my front door and I set off and then I come home oh. and I think, should have really clicked the record button yes. on that walk. So I can... <laughs> I know, and I have to say, I'm not really good. We have a hashtag called 20 suitcases and a walk, and I don't always take a photo and I don't always put it. The one thing I do do is I do put it in Strava because I'm, I'm really keen this year to actually track how much I've um, walked or exercised from a health perspective. But what is really driving me is the photos from all around the world. We've got people in Calgary, we've got people in um, Switzerland and Sweden and Malaysia and Singapore and the United Arab Emirates, um, everywhere. And Nikki, you in Denmark. And you've had some great And me photos. in Denmark sometimes. Yes, <laughs> but I, 22 but I, I is pretty, also, pretty good. I also think that I um, I had a little look on Instagram last night with the hashtag 20 suitcases and walk. I know it's on Strava, but it's also on Instagram. Yep. And there were some amazing photos on there as well. So I'm yes. really, really loving the photos. I yes. think it's, you know, once I, and I'm following the hashtag, so they do pop up in my stream. So yes. that's, that's also another tip to follow the hashtag rather than just every now and again, click on it when you remember. Yes. If you follow it, it appears in your stream and then it can prompt you to remind you, say, shit, I need to get out and do my <laughs> three to five Ks. Oh, did you see the walk? I've got a girlfriend, Tracy, who lives in Calgary and she's done a lot of walking in the snow and she did one where she was feeding the birds in the snow. It was Oh, oh I didn't see that one. So I have pretty. to go back and look. So pretty. And then she did one which actually made me cry. Um, she went and stood outside of my old house in Calgary. <gasps> oh, the pink house. Yeah, we, we painted our pink house brown. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I don't know. It was, it was really quite something to see her standing out the front of my house and thinking, you know, we don't often look back at pictures of our houses where we lived. We look at those happy school photos and, you know, but to see someone actually physically standing in front of your house in real time was, yeah. 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 Oh, well. Oh, it's all That's lovely. Of... So we'd love to see the Federati or or anyone really um, on that hashtag on Instagram or on Strava if you if you're in there. Yes. Yeah, so Nikki, what were your three favourite things for uh, this period? Oh, Kirsty, I have to tell you, like uh, there is a bit of a dearth of new TV and information ar around Christmas and New Year, and but it's just picking back up. So there's so much to choose from at the moment. <laughs> But I'm going to start backwards with what I what I've said, and then I'll rush in for next week because there's so much 
going on. Yeah. One thing I'd have to say is we have Disney Plus, and so my my daughter's really into the MCU, the Marvel Universe. Yes, and so yeah, so I have had a really lovely Christmas break period. Um, you know, watching a lot of movies and series with her, like not with her physically in the same room necessarily all the time, <laughs> but, you know, she'll come in and say, have you seen this? Have you seen that? No, you've got to watch that one first and then you've got to do that. And, then, and you just, we just had a lot of bonding over this MCU because even though, uh, so it was quite COVID-y over the period. Yes. And so we actually haven't seen other people socially since Christmas Day outside of our house. So um, we've had a lot of time at home together. And so that's one of the things I would say is my favourite thing. I think Disney Plus is doing a great job on their streaming platform. <laughs> this mm. is an unpaid uh, thing. The other thing was I watched the big, big movie that's got more famous people in it maybe than the MCU. Because every time I watch an MCU show or a Marvel Universe movie, I think, goodness, have they just got every famous person actor on earth <laughs> to, like to participate yeah. in this? And the thing that has maybe more than that is a movie on Netflix called Don't Look Up. It's got Meryl Streep. It's got Kate Blanchett. It's got Leonardo. It's got Ariana Grande, Matthew Perry, Timothy Chalamet. It's got it's got all the people all the time. Every piece of person you see is basically a famous, super famous person. The movie was commissioned to be initially about climate change. But then it sort of had a secondary purpose when you look at it and you see Meryl Streep's president and it, it aligns with a recent presidential sort of um, environment in the US. So I actually think it's, I don't know, and it's also, it's COVID related as well. So there's all sorts of things that can be read into it. It was really touted as a really big movie and then it sort of bombed a little bit, I think. But I watched it and I enjoyed it. I don't know. Have you seen it? It reminded me, yeah, I watched it. Um it reminded me because I think I, I think it was more like a parody, you know. It was a send up and a bit of a laugh, and, and it reminded me of like those flying high movies that we got served up. Um, that we'd have all the cameos and all the sort of one liners, um, but it had a really good message, and I think it was great for kids in that they felt totally in on the joke and that they they knew what it was all about. And, uh, look, I think it tried really hard and it, I agree. It, w- it was just a good bit of Christmas, New Year, you know, entertainment yeah. with a, me- with a message. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the people that, that bagged it, expecting it to be this, you know, record-breaking, it was never going – I don't think it was ever meant to be that, particularly with the timing of when it came out. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It was sort of in that Christmas movie genre and so yeah. you have to just put it in that. I mean, yes, I, I, I agree with everything you say. It's one of those things that I sort of – for my FOMO, I had to watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that was the thing. Uh, so the third thing I'll talk about this week is another TV-related item. Goodness me, lucky I've done my walks. Uh, and is called Yellow Jackets. And it's a show that's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I started watching it when it first started and I know everyone's talking about Yellow Jackets now, but <laughs> I just have to say it is very, very good, very, very good. And it's a story, as people would know, maybe if they don't, of a, a high school girls soccer team who supply, survive a plane crash in the Ontario wilderness. And um, it talks about and, – and the the best thing is, I think, is that it's told in a series of flashbacks 
the story of the plane crash and it's got the the adults that survived today. So it's got their lives paralleling with the lives of the plane crash. And I think wow. the one thing that tells you about whether you're going to, like how good it is, is that I'm always conflicted when they change timelines. So I'm like, oh, yeah. no, I do really want to see this. Like I, I wanted to see the adults as much as I wanted to see the teenagers. Like it, it really was a big, and it's got some amazing people. I mean, Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, um, and Melanie Linsky are just fantastic portrayals of them. Like they really parallel each other. And I love Juliette Lewis and this is a, just a fantastic role for her. Uh, and um, no, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and now I've noticed that everyone everywhere is talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, Nikki, you did put this down weeks ago when we started making notes about what we were going to talk about. So you were miles <laughs> ahead of the curve and everyone's just caught up. Uh, I feel a bit that way about my recommendation of doing Wordle because I love Wordle, but now every man and his dog's doing Wordle, so uh, <laughs> we'll move on from that. But that would have been my first one because I have to. It is my first thing I in the morning. I can't believe we're not night. sharing. I can't <laughs> believe we're not sharing it. I've got all sorts of groups I'm sharing my Wordle with, and it's not, I haven't shared mine with you, Kirstie, but you're probably getting it way <laughs> earlier than me. Before yeah. we go on, though, what's your approach because we have this discussion, like I do two words every morning to use 10 letters and I then I start the same, guessing. I do the same. I start with the same word every time. Yeah, so I do start with the same two words every time. Uh, so I do two and yes. then I start guessing. So, But you just do one and then you go from there depending on depending how many how letters you get. Depending how one works, yeah. Okay, yeah. Apparently it's got something to do with how you live your life, how you start your word all. Uh, I have th- I have heard a lot of people say that they thought Wordle was easy and then it um just as just as we were talking, uh your husband came in wearing his let's call them pajamas. <laughs> they were. They were pajamas, but they didn't have a top. Um and also it's because he's got his charging station in here in this room for his iPad and other things, so he was just coming in to get that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry for this interruption. So back on to it. So yes, with Wordle, I start with the with the first one, first same word every time. One day it's going to come up, and then go from there. But yes, I've had a lot of friends who have said they are finding it harder. So maybe maybe everybody has a series of words that come to mind, and then once they've used up all those words, I don't know. No, I also think it's cultural because I play with a group of. Uh, English speaking from different English speaking countries. Yeah. I mean, I play, I play with the world, but in one of my WhatsApp groups where we share, where people share the day, it's very strict. You can't talk about today's Wordle until everybody has transitioned into the next day timeline. And then you can talk right. about yesterday's and, and then how you got there. But like I'm playing with a, a Kiwis, English, Americans, um, and a South African and, and they all, come at it in a different way and it's often like some words are easier and more used in one language and then one day there was the american word american spelling of a word there was great outrage by the, oh, yes. by the english speaking yes i've had that a the non-american times. spellers yes i've had that a so there are some words that seem to me think- are more american and there are some yes. words that seem to me to be more british and then on those days i noticed that the british people like suffer in the in the number yeah. of guesses versus the Americans. So I think it sort of also might be a cultural mindset as well. It's a very good point, Nikki. That is an excellent point for how how Wordle works for international groups. Um mm. yes, because favour 
I think, fell into that. Oh, favour was very controversial. Favour was very controversial, as was alloy when they used the double L for the first time. (laughs) And, yeah. (laughs) The double letters. Yes. All right, Nikki, um, so that was my first one was Wordle. My next one was Josh Zepps and Joe Rogan when Josh was on the Joe Rogan show. He he just did what I've wanted to hear really since the beginning of the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> it's just have someone come on and just without screaming and yelling and very polite and very smart just say, no, I'm sorry, that's not correct and, and this is why. So for those who missed it, um, I'll put a link. There's a junkie link um, to... Joe Rogan, Josh Zepp's coronavirus vaccine, but the episode's 1762 on Joe Rogan. And, Joe and Rogan, it's two and a half hours long. Two and a half hours <laughs> Just long. want to make a note of that because oh. you love a short podcast. Which is why I don't listen to him probably. <laughs> well, actually, no. There's a lot more reasons why I don't listen to him than that. <laughs> so um, Josh uh, works for the ABC in Australia on uh, in the mornings and um, – what I particularly liked about this is they've obviously been friends for a long time, which is how Josh found himself on the podcast. But it was a beautiful example and I've, I've sent it to all of my kids saying, please listen to this solely for how you have a conversation with someone without having a big massive argument. And because they, they both, in respect to them both, didn't get nasty. So while while Joe's Joe's point that he was trying to make was that, um, my, I, well, there were many things, but he was it was basically there were many points. <laughs> yes, but he one of the main one that stuck with me was when he was saying that children were better off not having the vaccine because the vaccine was going to cause um, different heart issues, and the way that Josh Zepps very delicately sort of let him go and then said well actually no that's that's not right and sort of gave him the facts and let him go and find the facts on his own as well like got his production team to go and find the facts that no you were in more danger of having those heart issues if you were to get COVID without being vaccinated um but it was all done very gently no yelling no screaming no no abrupt end of interview um we're done here today it still got published, so kudos to Joe Rogan that he still published it. He came out the next day and said, I think I look like a bit of an idiot, which must have been a big thing for someone like Joe Rogan to do. But Yeah, um, I, I felt that was like a media posturing because right. I felt if you listen to it as a Joe Rogan fan, you feel perfectly validated in his opinions on, right. that, on that because yeah. he, let, he did the let's go to the, the – like he's got a researcher live on the show and then the researcher came back and then he let the researcher say, and then about 10 minutes later he said, oh, I remember now. Like, And he just threw something else in that uh, still put it back on his opinion. Right. Um, I, and so I felt that he did that just to sort of save face a little bit, the, the coming out the next day. Right. I, I, that's that's how I saw it because yeah. he just wants to placate his his – Base, which is enormous, which is very, very big. And, you know, Joe Rogan's a really one of the most popular uh, podcasters in the world. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was a little bit conflicted about that. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to give full credit to Josh Seps because I think he did a great job and I think it was a great representation. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. And yeah. also the 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 follow-up podcast that Josh Seps did when he returned to Australia and he mm. just did like a solo sort of summary of his conversation with Joe Rogan and the follow-up and, mm. and you know, the, the people that have contacted him since on social media and, and whatever. So I, I think that's also an, another good follow-up to listen And to. he was very humble about it, wasn't he? Because everybody was saying, Saying, man, how did you do it? How did you do it? He was like, well, I think it was just luck. <laughs> I don't yeah. think. I don't think I was very clever. I think I was just lucky that he asked. He mentioned something that I knew the stats to, and I was able to do it. Yeah. Uh, look, I've got two last things. I know that's a bit naughty, but one was we've talked a lot about our um, love of uh, Sex in the City, or and just like that, I've. I've Last episode next Thursday, Nikki, and I am genuinely going to be deeply sad when it's gone. I have absolutely loved it. But if there's anyone else who is really, really enjoying it and that they have friends or keep reading from people that aren't enjoying it, I'm going to put a little link to The Guardian where someone, the title is Dare I Whisper It? I'm actually really enjoying and just like that. So if you want to feel vindicated and read along going, yes, 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 but particularly episode nine, and I won't spoil it in case people were still catching up, but I I am really, really enjoying it. Oh, is that the the one just this past week? Yes, just the one on Thursday. And there was painting involved? Yes. Is that that the one we're talking about? Yes. I thought that was fantastic, that episode. So did I. I really, really loved it. So did I. And can I I just say, Kirsty, we have have said from the beginning that we're enjoying it and we we've said of course you know it needs a while to find its feet etc etc but can i also say kirsty that when you listen to the popular you know commentary on this a lot of people started off very critical and a lot of people have come around and said actually i can't look away i am enjoying it so i just want to say that we're not as silly as we look I think Charlotte just came to the fore in this last episode because I think she was exactly how I imagined Charlotte to have been with teenage daughters. And um, I just, you know, I I heard the commentary. Someone said, oh, my God, did you see those ridiculous shoes that Carrie was painting in? Yes, because she's Carrie freaking Bradshaw. That's that's the whole point. That's that's what she is. She would paint in the ridiculous. That's her character. And and if if you're finding that ridiculous, you don't get the character. Um, but yes. Anyway, I have I have absolutely loved it, and I've just I just think there's been so many great learnings in it. And you know, I've said before, I love how Miranda. I identify with Miranda's clumsiness, and I have loved her clumsiness in her new relationship. Of you know the things she says, where she where she, she obviously doesn't know what she's meant to say, but just is trying her best to say the right things. Um, I think, oh yes, please more. Last one, Olivia Coleman. I watched her in two things over the summer. One was The Lost Daughter, and one was Landscapers. Landscapers, yeah. I didn't make my way through. It was heavily billed as this amazing story. It's based on a true story of uh, when uh, someone's parents were literally found in the backyard and the two people escaped and went to France and whatever. I I, I was di- di- deeply disappointed in it. It just, to me, it never got rolling. But then, so then I watched The Lost Daughter, which I watched with my husband, who he just said, 
this makes no sense to me, I don't understand it and I'm going to bed. I thought it was amazing. The Lost Daughter is, um, I think, the first thing I've ever watched where a mother leaves her children. And the director is um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, sister. And it, it, it's, it, I guess it's a, it is very slow moving and it's based on a book. So I'm sure the book gives you far more perspective in, into the story. But it, it is about a woman who was uh, studying at university, doing a PhD, as was her husband. They had two children and just the mammoth task of that and then her sort of having an affair and leaving her children for a few years and just the guilt and the grief and how you move on because she did return to her children um but just the the different setup for how for how people it's viewed um and and just how cold a woman can appear who's made that choice and we just don't we don't see those choices in in movies or stories so i just thought there was there was a lot to it and it definitely made me instantly want to go and read the book Okay, I've seen both of those things and I've seen them both called good and both called, you know, what were your, you know what people your also thoughts? questioning the, well, I haven't watched them. I mean, I've seen oh, them written about. I've seen them. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I've seen them written about. And I actually listened to a review on one of the podcasts I listened to that does reviews of crime documentaries and podcasts. Yeah. And it's like a true crime podcast review that I've talked about on here before. And it talked about the landscapers and it talked about how um, how it was all done and it talked about the stylizing of it all. But I, it didn't make me want to go and watch it, so I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I thought it was going to be fantastic. I actually put it in my diary when it was being released because I really... Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I really like... Sometimes when I see something where it's going to be released on Netflix or Stan that looks good, I think, okay, make a note of it so you actually know it's there and you don't just skip by and choose something, you know, that you're not interested in. But, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, Nikki, I will see you next week. Okay, see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.